0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk right now about long-term care facilities here in the city of Hamilton and right across the province of Ontario. It's been an ongoing problem, it's not a new problem. This is not something that was caused by COVID-19, but it's uh, something that COVID-19 really kind of blew open and said the shortcomings about staffing, about poor working conditions, uh, about mistreatment of staff, and on and on and on it goes. And uh, the province has uh, made a commitment, they said anyway, uh, to do something about this you may remember back in the early summer the premier was on this program and told me that he said it was his personal commitment that he was going to fix the long-term care system well, it's uh, into the new year right now, and uh, we're still waiting to see some action on this, and it's getting very, very frustrating. Now, the vaccine rollout has started, and we were told that staffing and residents at long-term care facilities were going to be near the top of the line when it came to getting out the COVID vaccine. Uh, but apparently, there's some hesitancy about that. Dr. Nathan Stahl, who's a geriatrician with Sinai Hospital in Toronto, says vaccine hesitancy in health care is a bit of a problem. There's a lot of skepticism about the vaccine, and in fact, you know, there's many healthcare workers that have told me that they have either refused when they've been called for the vaccine or that they're very hesitant and may not accept when they get the call for the vaccine. They, they want to sort of, quote unquote, wait and see and wait for other people to receive it. Well, can you blame folks in long term care facilities, both staff and, uh, and residents for being a little skeptical? I can see where they're coming from. It's an ongoing problem, and, and again, the only way that we're going to get the province to really act on this is to be loud, to vocal, and consistent about this. And uh, joining us to talk about the problems and hopefully some of the solutions on this is Dr. Vivian Stamilopoulos, who is a long-term care advocate and professor at the Ontario Tech University. Uh, doctor, great to have you back in the program. Thanks so much for the time today.
1: Anytime. My pleasure.
0: Well, I saw on the weekend, uh, the news coverage, uh, you were part of a demonstration at one of the Toronto long-term care facilities, uh, St. George's. Could have been anywhere in the province of Ontario because, I mean, the, the problem is, is is epidemic right across the province right now. Uh, you have to be frustrated, and I know the staff that I've talked to at various facilities are frustrated about the inaction and the uh, the quote-unquote commitment but lack of, of, of follow-through that, that, that the province seems to be doing here.
1: I mean, it's a disaster across the board. I don't know where you start. I, I mean, do you want to start with vaccines? The fact that we've got, yeah, let's, you know, let's think, yeah, let's go there. Yeah, yeah, let's go there about this. And the the, bad, the the lovely part is that there's no transparency with this government, right? So me, like most people, have to get vaccine data from Dr. Jennifer Kwan on Twitter. So we know now because of her that there's around seventy four thousand uh, vaccines still in freezers. Okay, so that could we have about seventy seven thousand residents we have enough sitting in freezers that could (laughs) vaccinate the majority of residents yet they're sitting in freezers. So mind blown again, as usual. Um, The fact that we, you know, drop the ball in placing vaccination clinics inside long-term care homes like Quebec did and stood alone in its decision to wisely do that is another area where Ontario dropped the ball. Uh, The fact that this initial vaccination plan only covers four hotspots, which only comprises a quarter of all long-term care homes, the vast majority of homes are outside of these hotspots. And there are hotspots right now that aren't designated hotspots, but their long-term care sector is on fire with outbreaks. Niagara being a prime example. Um, So this is what we mean. Constant riddles in in these holes. It doesn't make sense. And I remember General Hillier doing his, you know, high and mighty speech about how residents, they're going to get it first that's all i know even before the vaccine arrived and what's happening come on general i mean this is a losing strategy this is not how you win wars this is how you lose wars and people are dying as a result
0: so i and you've been very active about this and and, and very adamant about trying to get some action on this and trying to get the government to move on this uh my understanding is you had actually you had a phone conversation for the prime minister's office earlier
1: i did yesterday and i have another one and today how, and how'd um, that go well, I, you know, I, I'm still feeling out the situation. I was hoping to get more of a sense of urgency. Um, maybe that's just me because I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a fiery Greek woman. So, you know, I emote very <laughs> <laughs> obviously and maybe other people don't. So maybe I'm reading the situation wrong, but um, I'll see in the follow-up meeting I have today with, with uh, several people who um, it seems are working on legislation right now. So I am hopeful I will keep hammering that home. I have another meeting on Wednesday with uh, Jagmeet Singh, and I've obviously talked to Anna Mae Paul because I've done, she's held three pressers in the last week that I've been involved with. So just really trying to get all the federal leaders involved here and put the seat on um, our prime minister to, to do something because, unfortunately, there are premiers like our premier who are just not acting on long-term care, and, and we're seeing preventable deaths, and they are accelerating now into the second wave under, you know, rising community transmission. And it's just getting into the home all the more easier now.
0: But, but Doctor, we're getting uh, just inundated here with gobbledygook and double talk from governments yep. about this. And you oh. mentioned the the terminology, <laughs> and I've heard both Mr. General Hillier and the, prim- the Premier talk about these hot spots that need to be a priority. When you look at the stats and the number of deaths and the number of new cases a- in long-term care facilities, by definition, isn't every long-term care facility yes. a hot spot?
1: Yes. There's no doubt every single long-term care home should have been prioritized. There's no question about it. This is failure. This is failure.
0: It, but those are the numbers. And I mean, and they try to justify this. Now, we talked with uh, the folks in the Hamilton area yesterday about uh, their rollout program. And uh, they said they're, they're just about finished now doing staff members at most of these facilities. Uh, and then the, they apparently right after that, they're going to start going into the residents in some of these facilities. So, so yeah. far, so good. But even then, I have heard after that conversation I had yesterday, Vivian, a number of people that emailed me after and said, you know what? We're not even included. We don't seem to yep. be on their radar. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they have not done their homework here yet. No, you know? <laughs> no,
1: they have not. Yeah, You're right. You're absolutely right. But this is, I mean, this is tried and true. I mean, when when did the government do their, their homework across this entire pandemic response? I mean, go from education to business to lockdown procedure. I mean, they've never done their homework as far as I can see. Find me one policy that is evidence-based. I'll find you a unicorn. I mean... <laughs> Where is it? I'm <laughs> sorry but
0: And and here's the problem. I mean, we there've been a couple of examples. There's one uh, in Hamilton that I that I've been aware of for quite some time right now and it's it's a, actually it's a home for retired nuns in in the Catholic order. Uh, and uh, they're not even designated as a long-term care facility, even though that's what they do there. Uh, because I guess at one time they used to make the hosts, you know, for the communions uh, for all the, the churches in this area. So now they're, they're designated as a bakery or something. So they said, well, you don't qualify. Are you kidding? Like, walk through the door before you make a, a, a judgment know. like that. The, the, these people are so anal retentive when it comes to these qualifications
1: well i just don't even think they have the information or the expertise i mean minister fullerton is completely over her head here she doesn't seem to understand that you know there are many types of, of seniors homes right so there's even these transitional care units that i have families that reach out to me about there's retirement housing is just as important too right so but you know long-term care first and foremost retirement housing if not at the same time immediately after Um, you know, complex care, these transitional care units, they all count, too. They all kind of have very similar populations. So they just, I think if she actually was out in the field and actually visiting homes and speaking to frontline workers, she'd have a better handle on the situation. But it's very clear how far removed she is from her actual actual portfolio. I mean, all she does is tweet inane tweets that make no sense. I'm, I'm I've nicknamed her a few things, but one of them being the Riddler because literally, if you look at some of the tweets that she provides on a daily basis about the number of outbreaks and people in homes, with uh, it's so confusing. It is literally an an LSAT question that you cannot provide the answer to. Go take a look if you want to laugh. Or she's prevent you know trying to show the least worst case scenario. So yesterday she posted that you know, um, what was it, a certain region was vaccinated. But she didn't say the numbers. I'm sorry, I don't believe you when you say the entire long-term care region in Windsor was vaccinated. I want to know the numbers. I want to know where essential caregivers included in that vaccination rollout, how many staff were vaccinated, how many residents, because I'll put all my money, it ain't 100% uptake, and you are deliberately not providing the data that will let us see just how bad this situation is
0: yeah i asked yesterday about the hamilton numbers and, and i was told that uh, with the vaccinations with the staff uh there were he, i think he said about 92 93 percent uh and and there were some people that just refused and we talked about that of course uh, with the uh dr stall's uh, comment just before you join us here there are some people that are rather skeptical about this but i can understand their skepticism i mean you know they've been promised the sun the moon and the stars and the province hasn't delivered i can understand why they might just say well let's wait and see here what's going to develop here there's it, there's there's a, a sense of mistrust trust right now but between staff oh. members of these facilities <laughs> yeah. and the management of these facilities and certainly yeah. between staffers and and the government
1: well how can you not have mistrust and that mistrust by the way is paralleled it if not more increased by the family caregivers. You've been told for months now that you're using every measure and every tool to support residents and you're going to do everything you can to hold these homes accountable. I remember Premier Ford in that post military, um, you know, leaked report presser. And yet what has happened? <laughs> I mean, people aren't stupid. People have seen that there is, these are crocodile tears. There's, there's no actual meaning behind the words that we're hearing in these, in these pressers. There is no value to what our officials are sadly saying because we haven't seen implementation of clear safeguards that would protect this sector. And And staff are the one working in these dangerous facilities, unprotected, and seeing first and foremost how they've been failed by this government. And family are painfully experiencing the many of their loved ones who have passed because of preventable error. I mean, it's just astounding.
0: I guess one of the things that really frustrates me, and, and, and maybe it's because I'm in the media and I get a little too close to this, uh, you know, the, the government, of course, does these daily briefings, and, and the, primi- the Premier rather gets up there at 1 o'clock every afternoon and says we're trying our best, you know, we're really, do they not understand that the, that we read other newspapers and that we get information from other sources <laughs> besides the provincial government? And you mentioned about the vaccine rollout, Vivian, and, and what the province of Quebec is doing. It's not perfect. But it's more effective than what Ontario, on and not unlike what they did this past summer when they talked about the staffing shortages 100%. in LTC facilities. They put a program together that said, you know, we're going to get yep. this done right here, right now. The province has a four-year program. I mean, come on.
1: I, not just that. They, they did something that we have been begging this government to do, in addition to the long-term care commissioners, in their second or, second or first interim report, which, you know, they've largely ignored the recommendations therein, uh, about implementing infection prevention and control managers at each home. That is something that would have prevented what we saw at Tender Care, what we saw at Sunnycrest. Preventable IPAC error that should never have happened this late in the game, this late in the COVID game. Yet it's happening because we still have homes that are operating like the wild, wild west. They're throwing new staff onto the floors with no training in the most dangerous, vulnerable sector. And we have a minister who, you know, has the blinders on and, and has the audacity to go on TV you know, in her her public pokaroo appearances when she does make an appearance, to say that there are no homes with staffing problems. Are you kidding me? Every single frontline worker that I've spoken to has said they are wildly understaffed. And this was the case even before the pandemic, Let alone now, when we have homes where upwards of 50, 60 staff are sick at home, who is sent in to replenish those staff? We have no crisis response system to actually help these homes. One thing we suggested in the summer for them to do was to put in real time a live reporting of staffing levels at each of these homes so that we could monitor. And when we see those numbers dipping, because a lot of these homes don't want to publicize that they're in these wild outbreaks. But at least if we have some sort of measure updated in real time, we can see and we can get help sent in proactively. Nope. You think they listen to us? Nope. What do we know? We only have lived experience and research experience in this. Oh, crazy us
0: let's talk about the uh, the elephant in the room here that the government doesn't seem to want to address at all uh, that's the public versus private uh, facilities in this province and the overwhelming majority of course are are, are privately owned uh, run by major corporations uh i've got some concerns and we're going to talk about the the projection numbers for COVID a, a little bit later on in the program and 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 mike beef with the premier has always been you're listening to the wrong people when you're developing policies on this uh i i think the same thing applies to long-term care facilities uh we know that there are an awful lot of people that are in management and ownership of some of these long-term care facilities that are former members of either the Progressive Conservative staff or professor, or, or, or at one time were MPPs or sometimes even a Premier yeah. in this province. I didn't just fall off the turnip truck, Vivian. I, you got to know that those people have the Premier's ear.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. And we have multiple stories of former previous uh, board staffers very recent former staffers, now full-time lobbyists for the for-profit sector. And when you look at the policies that have come out, like the resident care uh, training program, uh, which is looking to get displaced retail and hospitality service workers in the most dangerous sector. I mean, don't even get me going on that. These are all things that were lobbied by the for-profit lobby. These are things that were echoed in Chartwell, for example, uh, testimony to the long-term care commissioners, because I made a point of going through some of these. Uh, So, I mean and the reduction of inspections during the pandemic. That was lobbied by the Ontario Long-Term Care Association, which is, you know, generally known, although they say they represent both the for-profit and the not-for-profit sector, they majority, the majority of their homes uh, and the majority of people on their board are for-profit executives. So give me a break. Um, we have seen the people, you know, th- there is a clear reticence to actually name and shame these companies. I mean, we have legitimate evidence of mass negligence. Okay, we have two ministry inspector reports from Tender Care and Sunnycrest that documented clear IPAC violations, clear widespread negligence. No word from our Minister of Long-Term Care. No holding of these homes accountable. We have a leaked paramedic report. The other day, Globe and Mail, devastating report of St. George about these poor residents being found naked and alone, gasping for air. And, and literally it was a scene out of The Walking Dead where the paramedics walked into this home and nobody even greeted them. They couldn't find anyone in sight. They went, had to go and find the, the poor resident by themselves and nobody in their entire visit actually came to see the paramedics. I, I mean, are you kidding me right now? And this is still happening. They know this is happening and there has been no accountability. There has been no naming that it's always, every time these terrible homes these terrible documented cases of mass negligence, they're all for-profit. Nine out of ten of all the homes, and I mean 90%, of all the homes taken over by the voluntary management management order, for-profit. <laughs> Five of the six military homes, for-profit. I mean, well, the, uh, you know you know the, you know the stories data. in
0: Hamilton here there, there's a handful of them here in Hamilton that, that uh, have, have have fallen into that category as well uh, and well as I said at the beginning of our conversation the only way this is going to get fixed if we are just consistent about this and loud about this uh, and and I appreciate the the voice that you are giving these people because they need a voice at this stage uh, we're just about out of time on this segment but uh, as they say in the business more to come on this doctor thanks so much for the time today
1: Anytime, friend.
0: Take care. Dr. Vildian Stamatopoulos, of course, a long-term care advocate and professor at Ontario Tech University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.